You're listening to a Calvary and Adults podcast, a ministry out of Calvary Baptist Church, Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. Calvary Young Adults is a midweek worship gathering of those in the Durham region who are between the ages of 18 and 30. We love the Lord, proclaim His Word, and celebrate His goodness. This podcast series is a release of the sermons from Thursday evenings. In today's episode, Pastor Nick continues the Character Matters series looking at the person of Aaron. Let's listen now. I said it at the first, I'm really excited that this this Character Matters series has really given us opportunity to dig deep into the lives of people uh, that are in the Bible, but also to really, when we're reading it, I I was tempted tonight to bring a row of mirrors and have you come up and say, uh, you can't really come up because of COVID, but I wanted you to come up and look in the mirror and and I I wanted to put a question on the mirror and, and the question would be, what do you see? Because probably what you see is not what God sees. Like God sees you out of time. We do everything in time. But God sees you out of time. He sees you now. He sees you in the future. He sees you in heaven with him. He sees you when you were born. He sees you when you struggle. He sees when you have victory. He sees it all. And sometimes we can have a, a close captioned view of our life that that is just whatever we're going through, whatever season we're in, that's all we can think about. But God gives us great reminder of, about his truth and that he is with us and for us. And we need to have eyes like God has. We need to look through the lens of what Christ looks through. And we get a little picture of that when we read God's word. We get encouraged to, be, to, to see ourselves in Jesus and what he's doing. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about Aaron and that relates a little bit about Aaron's life, about what we see about Aaron. I'm going to give you a little bio, and then I'm going to just talk about his calling. Uh, Aaron was Moses' brother. He was older, uh, older brother. He was older by three years, and we see this in Exodus 7-7. Aaron uh, had a wife, and he had four sons. And in Aaron's story, he has, Aaron was set up as a priest uh, once they got out of Egypt, and they, they got everything settled up, and they started to... Uh, teach the people he was a priest and his two of his sons actually went in they were drunk and they went in to offer uh, a a strange fire it says before the lord and the lord came down and consumed them and killed them both so he had four sons and then but he lost two Uh, aaron and moses uh were born they came from the tribe of levi jacob jacob's third son the brother's father name was amran and was the firstborn of levi's second son so when you look at the line of Jacob, they weren't from the, the first line, they were from the third line, and this kind of shows us God's election of Moses and Aaron was not based on any sense of inheritance or privilege. God, in his own choosing, picks people to do extraordinary things, and I believe that God does that for us as well, and sometimes we, we read about these characters in the Bible and we think, our life is not like that, but that's not true. God uses all kinds of people to do great things. And God often uses people who are not the wisest, not the brightest, not the the flashiest, not the one who has the most bling. He uses people that are are just like you and me to do great things. And and Dan talked last week about calling, and we know one thing about God. God doesn't just call the qualified. He doesn't look and says, okay, you got all these skills and things, so you, you get the job. 
See, with God's calling, he, he qualifies the called. He will call you and he will give you the skills to be able to accomplish what God wants accomplished. And a lot of us are sitting in our seats maybe here tonight and God has a whole bunch of things set up for your life, but you just don't believe that God can use you. Because there's a cooperation there. There's a, there's a, hey Lord, here's my life, use me. So we're going to look tonight at, uh, at Aaron's life and, and his calling. And when you actually read about Aaron, some believe that Aaron was a, a brother that actually held back Moses. That he, he, wasn't, a, he wasn't a good brother, a good leader. Uh, some believe that Aaron did more trouble to the people of God than helping them. Some believe that Aaron was a horrible leader, actually. But when we actually dive into the scriptures and actually take a, a closer look at Aaron's life, we're going to see that God didn't think that. God didn't think that about Aaron, and actually God used Aaron in a, in a mighty way on many accounts. Just like Dan taught us last week, it is God who calls a person into a position, a mission, or a function to bring him glory. And that can be said about us here today. That has not changed. We know from God's word that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he still chooses and he still elects and he still uses people the same way. What's God got in store for you? See, it was God who called Aaron into the ministry and it was God that had great plans for Aaron. Here's a little bit of background. In Exodus 2.11, we read about Moses. We know about this story that Moses was given into the Pharaoh's uh, household and when he was a baby. Aaron grew up in, under the Pharaoh's household. And later on in life, he found out, he figured out that he was a Hebrew. And one day he goes out and he sees a, uh, he sees a slave beating a Hebrew and he goes and he murders the, the Egyptian. And he buries him in the sand. So Moses killed someone, buries him in the sand. And then the next day he's going and he sees two Hebrew brothers from the Israelite tribe, God's people, they're fighting and arguing. And Moses steps in and says, hey guys, that's not how we should act. It's the same thing if we walked in here tonight and we saw two of you arguing, fighting. One of us would step in and say, hey guys, that's not how we are supposed to act. We're God's people. We're, we are chosen ones called out of darkness in the marvelous light. So Aaron thought, or Moses thought that's the way it would go, like he would break up this fight and then they'd become friends and hey, I'm on your side. But those guys turned around and said, who are you? Who are you to say anything to us? Aren't you the guy that just killed someone yesterday? So people found out, actually, the Hebrews found out what Moses did and actually Pharaoh found out and Moses got scared and he ran away. Moses was like, I'm out. So Moses takes off He's out of the scene and he's going on and he's doing his life. Pharaoh, he goes, Moses flees out into the desert and he comes down and he sits at a well and a woman shows up at the well and he meets this woman and she brings him back home and Moses begins a new life with this new woman. So Moses is, is preparing, he's, he's working with this, with this new family, he's doing new things away from Egypt, but Aaron is back home. Aaron and his sister are still back in Egypt. They're still with God's people. They're still listening to God. They're still part of the, the slavery that is happening. See, Aaron doesn't leave. And while Moses is setting up his new life, Aaron was with God's elders and God's people. And when we get to chapter 3, the famous passage of Moses out one day and he sees this bush that's on fire and the bush is not being consumed and he goes over to it and a voice comes out from the bush and he tells him to take off his sandals that he's on holy ground 
God shows up and says, Moses, I'm calling you into service. Moses has this debate with God. He's, he goes back and forth and, and he says, God is saying to Moses, like, I want you to leave where you're at. I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to, to throw down with the Pharaoh. And Moses is doing whatever he can to get out of this conversation. He thinks it's pretty cool that the bush is burning, that he's talking to God, but he does not want to be God's, God's messenger to Pharaoh. So he's given excuses, and I think in our life we can do that too. Some of us who are coming close to the Lord, we're growing in the likeness of Jesus, we're coming and we're actually learning our Bible, we're, we're listening to the promptings of the Spirit, we can get to a place in our Christian walk where we're drawing close to God and we can begin to sense a calling and we run away. We give an excuse. We think God really wouldn't call me to do that. I'll tell you about my friend Stuart. Back home in the East Coast, there was this guy who sat in the very back every week with his, with his kids. He would come in and he would sit down and he would always, we had pews, wooden pews, and he would always sit uh, and put his feet up on the pews. And then one day after church, I called him up. I said, Stu, come talk to me. And I said, come up to my office. And he, he, Stu was Mr. Cool Guy. Everybody liked Stu. He, was, he always had a joke. He was the cool the cool guy at our church and I brought him in my office and I closed the door and I locked it and then I sat him down and I said Stu what are you doing with your life he says what are you talking about pastor like everything's good I said you're a joke you're a complete joke I said you don't lead your family you don't pray you don't seek the Lord you come in here every week you come to church half the time because you're you're at hockey you're a complete joke and I said, and that's not what God has called you to do. You're gifted, you're a teacher, you can't get a job, and it's everybody else's fault. It's time to grow up and take some responsibility as a man. Well, nobody has ever talked to Stu like that. Stu, Stu felt that rebuke pretty hardcore. I thought he was going to punch me. I thought we were going to fight in my office. But instead of fighting, I looked down and he, was, he had his head in his hands and he was crying. And I said, Stu, what's going on? He says, you're right. He says, I'm not leading my family the way I should be. I know that there is a calling on my life. But I don't think God wants to really use someone who's this broken. And I said, God wants to use you, Stu. That's why I'm yelling in your face. Stu came to church every week. He stayed after church. I began to disciple him. When I left Hillcrest, he became the pastor. And Stu's now, he, he left ministry and he's teaching. He decided that he would leave ministry so that he could teach some kids. And he's doing a phenomenal job in a local school, uh, being, a, being, a, being a great male influence teacher, helping kids find their purpose. He thought he could reach more kids in the local school system than he could in the, in the local, local youth group. So he, he still goes to church, still loves church, but he's working in the local local group, but it took that calling, that, that prompting, that calling uh, that, to realize that, hey, God may be calling you into something, and you, you are done with the excuses, and this is Moses. Moses is giving these excuses to God this day, and God, has, God says to Moses, he says, I have heard the cries, and I've seen the injustice taking place, and finally God rebukes Moses and says, I have made your mouth. Because Moses says, I can't talk well. I'm not a good speaker. He says, I have made your mouth. But because of your little faith, 
I know your brother, Aaron. I think that's really cool that God brings his family into it. He says, I know your brother and he can speak well. And I'm going to use your brother. It's cool how God watches over his people. He knows our giftings. He knows people who he could be setting things up in your life right now while you're giving an excuse, God has people on the way. How cool could that be for you? That as you're wrestling with the Holy Spirit, as you're wrestling with God through sin and uh, just trying to get your life right, God could have somebody on the way because that's exactly what he did for, for Moses. He says, Moses, I really need you to go back and I really need you to do this and all you have is excuses for me and you know what? I have someone on the way. And it says that Aaron was on his way to meet Moses. From where... Moses and Aaron was, it was a big distance, it was a long journey. So God actually called Aaron to go to Moses before God called Moses to go back home. God had a great plan for these two to work together. I think it's so cool that God was setting this up. He says, Aaron is on his way to get you, Moses, and he will be by your side, and you guys have a great task ahead. You see, when you look at Moses and Aaron, Aaron was not a hindrance to Moses, but a blessing. Aaron was the one who performed the wonders and the signs before the elders in Egypt. Aaron was the one who used his staff or rod before Pharaoh turning it into a snake. And then when the magicians did the same thing, it was his rod, his his staff that swallowed up the other snakes. It was Aaron that used his rod in the other plagues as well. When you look at the the life of Moses and Aaron, this duo team, Moses and Aaron stood shoulder to shoulder against Pharaoh throughout the plagues, the Passover instructions, and even the march out of Egypt, they were together. After the exodus, Aaron's next big job was to call the people together and help Moses explain about how God was going to provide for them in the wilderness with manna and quail, what the the rules about, about God's provision would be. When they met up against an army that wanted to attack them, it was Aaron and Hur that held up Moses' hands during this battle. When Moses' hands were held up, the Israelites would win, and when his hands came down, the other other guys would start winning. So coming together, Aaron and Hur, they come beside Moses and they hold his hands up. A, a, A great display of teamwork for we need to have our brothers and we need to have our sisters uh hearts and 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 lives in in our hands together we need to help each other and it says that moses was too weak to lift up the staff but his brothers came alongside of him and held up his arms and they won the battle joshua won the battle aaron was one of the elders who ate bread with jethro moses's father's father-in-law in the presence of god When we look at the character of Aaron, we're going to see that Aaron was a great blessing to Moses and he was used mightily by God. But our theme tonight is not just the praise of Aaron. Tonight we're going to talk temptation. See, Aaron was a great leader when he was together with his brother. But when he was left on his own, he struggled. The Bible records multiple times when Aaron was on his own, he was tempted to sin against God. And that's really a a picture of us. When we're together as the church or with our small group or with our buddies, we've been talking about this in the men's ministry, talking about having a group of men that you can just do life with. We We call, last month we were talking about the bullpen of guys that are trained in different areas that you can call on. Not just one mentor, but a bullpen of people that you can call upon that will do life together with you. 
When we're together in that, that situation, Christian walk is easy. Because you know you have a brother or a sister or a leader or someone on your side or a pastor that's praying for you, encouraging you. You can do this. Keep pushing on. But it seems like when we get by ourselves, when we get separated, when we're on our own, that's when things start to shake for us. So that's when things start to crumble for us. We would see that in the beginning in the book of Genesis where God says it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us. But sometimes we get in the habit of becoming uh, isolated from, from the group. And as soon as we become isolated, we, we think we're good for a little bit, but eventually Satan will pick at us and he'll begin to tempt us. And he'll figure out that area where you're just not that strong in and, and eventually you'll sin. And eventually you'll sin again and then again and a pattern will form and then what will happen is guilt will set in and you feel like you can't go back to the people of God because you feel guilty and judgment and just ugh feels gross. So you stay away. That is so many people's story. I once went to church and then I don't go to church anymore. But if you would dig deep, a little deeper into their story, there's probably a, a, a season where they were isolated from the people of God. They were isolated from the disciplines of God and they began to shift. It is important for us as God's people to stay together. And Aaron, being this great leader, was amazing when he was with Moses. But when he was separated, he sinned. Let me give you an example. There's this cool little uh, story about these two leaders. They do all this amazing stuff together, and then God's about to set it up. He's about to set up his people. Moses goes to the top of the mountain, and Aaron is at the bottom. Two leaders for God, speaking on behalf of God, with authority. Moses is at the top, giving instructions. Instructions for how to set up the priestly uh, functions, how to, what to do about cleanliness, how to, how to do offerings, how to do altar. Everything is being set up. Moses is getting the Ten Commandments. He's at the top. Aaron is at the bottom. He's facilitating the people. He's kind of like the R20 team here at Young Adults. Aaron was supposed to be leading like that, like making sure the people were taken care of, making sure that they were doing good things, making sure they, they were honoring God in the process. That was Aaron's job. Moses at the top, Aaron at the bottom. But Moses is away for a little bit, 40 days, and what happens? What happens when, when they were separated? The people start to grumble against Aaron, and they started to get at him. So Moses at the top of the mountain, Aaron at the bottom of the mountain. Moses is gone for 40 days. Aaron at the base of the mountain with the people, they start to grumble. Both are leading. Moses is receiving. Aaron is supposed to be facilitating. But Aaron is pressured by the people. Have you ever been pressured to do something that you didn't want to do? And you felt like, hey, I should do this because that person will like me or that person will... will, will help me or that person will give me something or that person will just be my friend so you actually do something that you know that you shouldn't do so that you can actually just be liked by the people this was a moment Aaron had this is what happened to him Aaron and all the people witnessed God with the plagues Aaron and Moses together walked through the Red Sea the people looked behind them and they saw that the sea closed up on the army that was chasing them it was God who provided for them in the wilderness. It was God who went before them and behind them in protection. These people knew God. They knew what he did. 
He provided bread and meat, provided water from a rock. The people knew the power of God. Aaron, the leader, knew the power of God. But in the absence of his brother, Aaron was tempted. Aaron sinned. See, the Bible records Aaron gave commands to the people. They grumbled. They said, we need a God. So the Bible actually says that Aaron said, go and get your earrings. Go tell your wife to bring out her earrings. The gold earrings, I need all the gold, just bring it to me. So they go and they get the earrings and they give them to Aaron. And what Aaron does is he makes a golden calf and then he speaks these words. Check this out. This is what Aaron says. These are your gods of Israel who brought you out of Egypt. Aaron knows full well who brought them out of Egypt. He was the one being used by God doing the mighty miracles And then he turns to the people because they were grumbling and he says, look, this golden calf, this is the one who brought you out of Egypt. Aaron builds an altar so that they could sacrifice and then he declares party time for all, let's have a festival and let's bring honor to this false god. Where's where's Moses? He's up to top. He's up at the top of the hill. Moses has no clue that his brother is leading this, this whole party scene. But God, God sees it. God looks down and he tells Moses, get to the bottom of the hill. Like your brother is losing his mind. God sees from the top of the mountain and tells Moses to go down because the people are corrupt. God quotes exactly what Aaron said to the people, to Moses. God is angry and he's going to destroy the people, including Aaron for his leadership, but Moses intercedes for him. He intercedes for his brother. Just like his brother was interceding with him before Pharaoh, Moses steps up and says, no God, don't do this. Don't kill your people. Just think about what the Egyptians would say. Did you really bring your people? You did all that stuff in Egypt? Brought all your people into the wilderness just to kill them all? Think about your glory. Think about your name. Don't do this, God. I will go back down. Moses comes down the mountain. Do, 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 do. I don't know how long it took, that. It took to get down the mountain. Probably didn't sound like that. But Moses goes down the mountain and he sees the golden calf. And he sees the dancing and the debauchery being led by his brother. And when he asks his brother what's going on, his brother shifts the blame. We see the smooth talk that God complimented Aaron with in full action because he tries to pull a fast one on his brother. When you read the scriptures, it says Aaron blames the people. He says they're corrupt and sinful. Then he blames Moses for being away too long, blames the absence of Moses. Then he blames the furnace. He's like, I don't know what happened. It was just here, and I put it in there, and the furnace made it, and it came back out. And I said, okay, here's your God. Like he, he does everything he can to get off the hook, just like us sometimes. Like, we like it when the process is we've sinned and we get to come to God on our own time and on our own terms. We get to enter into his presence and we ask, Lord, look what I have done. God, I know what I've done is wrong and I I ask for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and I know that this is what I deserve, but God, I'm pleading with you that you would hold back your wrath and that you would help me in this moment. Help me 
and forgive me. We like to do that on our own. But if someone comes up to us and catches us in our sin, it's a whole different story. It's walls up. It's I want to fight you. All I want to do is justify. But that doesn't fly with God. You can't do that. And he won't allow it. And Aaron makes this mistake. He makes these huge mistakes when he's on his own. And this seems to be a common temptation for the people of God. When we are together, we are okay. When we are alone, we struggle. How many of you are struggling in this season? There are so many young adults and young professionals struggling in this season because of COVID, because we're alone. But you don't have to be alone. Come and be with the family of God. Come, be safe, wear your mask, follow the rules, put your sanitizer on, but come. Come and be with the people of God. Come and do business with God on a regular basis. Come and talk to God and say to the Holy Spirit through your worship, please come and search my heart so that I can turn these things over to you. Please, please, Lord, do not let your anger burn against me. I've been asking young adults if they pray like that. Nobody prays like that. Nobody thinks God gets angry. Nobody thinks that God gets upset. Everybody just thinks it's just grace every day. It is grace every day, but that's, the things that we do still hurt God. It still hurts his heart. It still hurts him to see us live like that. Yes, he is graceful. Yes, he wants to bless us. But he doesn't want us to continue in the lifestyles that we're in. He wants us to turn from them and bring honor to his name. It's not good for us to be alone. Helpers are needed to help us overcome these temptations. These temptations. We have the Holy Spirit, yes. And I don't want to take anything away from the power of the Holy Spirit. But God's word says that we do struggle when we're by ourselves. We see this pattern in the lives of Christians. When a believer starts to sin, and they're living under the pressure of guilt. They isolate themselves from the people of God. They stop praying. They start justifying their actions. And they do exactly what Aaron did. Pressure to please others. Pressure to make other people happy. Pressure to, like, to be liked and cared for, even, cared for even at the cost of their relationship with God. God had a huge part for Aaron to play in his kingdom. But the pressure of people got him. Don't let the pressure of the government, don't let the pressure of the people, don't let the pressure of culture get you. Honor God in your life. Do not isolate. Come and gather with the people of God. Be safe. I'm all for safety. I'm 100% against you suffering alone. And so is God. We see as we read the story that Aaron was shown grace upon grace upon grace. But because of his poor leadership, the people suffered. Aaron was shown grace, but the people he was leading, instead of reminding them about the miracles of God performing them, performed for them, he just led them in foolishness. The lesson, mounting pressure to please man will always lead to compromise. Please get that, family. Mounting pressure to please man will always lead to compromise. There always seems to be a great temptation to forget the power of God in our life and to listen to others, even our own sinful desires or the voices of others who don't have the things of mind 
the things of God on their mind. We see this with Peter and and Jesus. Jesus begins to tell the guys that I am going to the cross, I am going to die, I'm going to be raised from the dead, and Peter says, stop it. That's not true. And Peter thinks he's doing God, Jesus a solid, but what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. But then he follows it up with the tagline, you don't have the things of God on your mind, you have the things of man on your mind. And so many times we will listen to what people think and we will listen to our own emotions and our own desires over the truth about what God has told us. And then we compromise. Mounting pressure to please man or please your emotions will lead to compromise. Here's the truth. God will always give you the strength to choose the right thing, even in the face of temptation. Every day you will be tempted to compromise. You are probably tempted 10 times today, maybe 20. Maybe you're being tempted right now to, be comp- to compromise in some way, whether in your flesh or by people in your circle of influence. But know this, God has promised that you can overcome. See, the solution is because become men and women who, dr- who dress for the job. This is how, how we have to, to live. God gives us a solution to overcome this temptation. God gives us a solution to overcome the things that are coming against our flesh and our emotions and the people. He says, dress for the job. The solution is actually in the New Testament. Paul is actually directing the church in Ephesians, 10, or Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. He says, finally, he says, finally, people, this is my last thing I want to leave for you. It's the last thing I'm going to leave for you. He says, be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. That's for us. We sang about it. Let your light shine. Let there be light. Let us be people who have been called out of darkness into marvelous light and let us be strong and mighty in the Lord's power, not in our own. He says, get dressed. Put some clothes on. Like, it's funny, we are dressed, but maybe you're not dressing with the right uniform. You know, anytime that you're in a leadership position, you have some type of uniform on. You go into any place where there's leaders, they have a name tag, maybe they have a suit on, maybe they're wearing a uniform, they're identified somehow. The people of God, we're identified by the suit we wear, the suit of armor that God gives to us. He says, Paul says to the church, put on the full armor of God, so there's a reason you put on the armor. He says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You have an enemy. You have someone coming against you. And if you don't know how to dress up and stand firm, you're going to fall. He says, for our struggle is not against the flesh and it's not against the blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He says, you are in a war you can't even see. You have no clue who punched you. Have you ever seen that old movie Rush Hour? I watched that last night on Netflix, and there was this one scene where uh, Chris, Chris Rock, I think it is, he's in, Chris Tucker, he's in this scene, and he says he's going to fight this guy, and some, some guy kicks him in the face, and he says, who kicked me in the face? He's looking around, because he didn't see it, it came so fast, that's the realm we live in. We don't even know where these weapons are coming from, we don't know where these punches are coming from, we don't know where these arrows are coming from, they're invisible, that's the enemy we are fighting. And if you are not dressed correctly, you're going to take some shots. And some of these shots are going to take you down. And Paul is saying against the church, he says, put on the full armor of God so that when the the day of evil comes, and please church, hear me on this, it's coming. 
It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, it could have been yesterday for you. It says, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. I love that. Stand your ground. You are not afraid. You're standing up tall. You're ready. You're not afraid of what's to come. Even though you can't see it, you're not afraid. You're standing firm. He says, by doing this, by putting on your full armor, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, to stand, he says, then stand firm. And he says, when you do stand firm, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Get God's word and help it ground you, help it center you. God's word needs to be on the inside. We need to know it so that we will not sin against God. David said that. I've put your word on the inside so I will not sin against you. What does that mean for us? It means we've got to start memorizing some scriptures. If you're struggling in, with a particular sin, if you're struggling with a particular anxiety or worry or stress, there is word for that. Get that on the inside. Look it up. Do a Google search. Scriptures on anxiety. Scriptures on depression. Scriptures on standing firm. Scriptures on courage. Scriptures on strength. You'll find it. It'll come up. It'll help you. Start reading it. Start meditating on it. It says, put the belt of truth buckled around your waist. It says, put the breastplate of righteousness. You know what that means? The breastplate, it covers your chest, your vital organs, your heart, your lungs. It says the righteousness of the righteousness. That is the righteousness of Christ that God had imputed to you that is covering your life. God puts that over you. He says, remember that. He says, put that on, that you are covered in the blood of Jesus, that he died for you so that you can live, and you cannot just live, but you can live with power against the things you're struggling against. He says, put that on your chest. Breastplate of righteousness, put it in place. He says, fit, he says, fit your feet. Get your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of, I love this, peace. He says, put these special shoes on so that you're able to move, you're able to shift, you're able to pivot, you're able to run in peace. You're in a war, but you're peaceful. It's awesome. That's how God works. He says, get dressed up, go fight, and while you're fighting, you'll be peaceful. In addition to all that, he says, take up the shield of faith, which, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He says, put the helmet of salvation on your head and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Get ready. Let's go to battle. And he says, then, after you are dressed up and ready, you get up tomorrow, you start thinking about this stuff, going into whatever you're facing, you're dressed up, you're ready to stand firm. And after you're dressed and you look in the mirror, it says this, pray. The people of God need to be people of prayer and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all of the Lord's people. The application is we need to be strong by the Lord's strength, not our own. Satan knows if he can get you alone or pressure you with people, he will break you. Set your life up with guardrails so that you have the proper people and the proper pathways to overcome temptation. Get dressed up every single day. Do not let one day pass that you leave your armor at home. Any supervisor or any person who is in real leadership at any position is dressed up and identified. And Paul says for us as Christians to get up, get dressed every day. 
belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet covered with readiness, proper feet covering so that you can move, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, word of God, a sword in your hand. Get up and do battle. If you are struggling with temptation and sin, fight it. Go into the war. You can do this with the power of God. And while you're doing that, bring in the power of prayer. When faced with any temptation, before you go in, you pray. God will help you. He promises that. Aaron wasn't ready to lead on his own. This happened two more times in his life when you read his story. He and his sister, in a private conversation, grumble against Moses. He was tempted to slander his brother. He was tempted to slander what the Lord has done in his life. And then the third time when a revolt came against the leadership, he didn't lead well. Moses had to bail him out again. You see, Aaron should have stood firm, remembered his position, got dressed in his uniform, used the words of God and the testimony of the Lord's faithfulness. He should have prayed, but he didn't do that because he needed Moses to come in and rescue him. Here's the thing. We got everything we need for an abundant life in Jesus because he already came and rescued us. Now we need to live in faith. And we can do that. We can do that together. The church of Christ is powerful and mighty. When we step out in faith, when we get dressed up, and when we pray. If the Lord is for us, who can be against us? Let me pray for us. Father, just thank you for tonight. We know that everyone is tempted, but not everyone falls prey to temptation. God, we know that you always give us a way to overcome. When we are weak, your word reminds us that you are strong. God, you never ask us to just bear down and use our own power and our own grit to make it through. You've actually said, come to me because my burden is light. You've made a promise that you will go on before us and you will fight the way, you will clear the way. Does that mean that we give up the battle, that we just sit back and do nothing? No, that does not mean that. We get in there, we get dressed, we do our part, we pray, we seek the Lord. We make sure that we're not isolating ourselves, that we're in community, that we're talking about the right things at the right time so that we'll grow in, your, in faith. God, you know that we have sinful desires. Our hearts and our minds and our flesh need to be given over to you. God, they need to be given over to you daily. And for some of us, hourly, so that we are able to stand firm. But God, the more that we trust you, the more we stand firm. God, I ask you that you would be with your church, that you would get us up, get us ready, get us going, give us things to do. But may we never do it on our own. May we walk in the power of Jesus Christ today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. We trust in you, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, check out our new podcast series, Living in the 66, a conversational series as we walk through God's Word chapter by chapter and seek to discover how we can apply it to our lives. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and until next time, blessings. Blessings.